Happy New Year, every nation family. What a year we have just come out of. I am so glad. I'm so relieved that 2020 is over. So many things happened in 2020. We have lost loved ones. We have seen ups and downs of life. And yet we continue to choose faith over fear. I'm sure you're all feeling like me. We're glad that 2020 is over. And now we're looking forward to 2021. We have faith that it's going to be a great, great year. We have faith that God is going to go before us. We may not know exactly what's going to happen in 2021, but we have faith that God is going to be with us. Today we start a sermon series called Awesome God. I'm so excited about the series because all the Every Nation churches globally will be doing this series together in preparation for a time of fasting and prayer. And while we are fasting and praying in this coming 21 days, we will be digging into this topic awesome God, the God that we serve. We're going to be looking at how different characters in the Bible had encounters with God and how God revealed himself to them with greater emphasis on the names of God. Because the names of God reveal who God is and his character. Our topic today is going to be, I am who I am. I am who I am. And I know most of you know, uh, may know that this is from um, Exodus chapter 3, so you can uh, get your Bibles ready. We're going to read Exodus chapter 3 a little bit later. What's in a name, you ask? What's in a name, you may ask? A name can tell a lot about a person depending on the cultural norms or the naming customs of a particular culture. A person's name can tell you about when and where the person was born, with whom they are related, and what parents hoped in their child as their child was born. For example, a Ghanaian culture, names are based on the day that the person is born. I have so many friends with the name Kwajo or Kweku based on the day that they were born. In Nigeria, they take it to another level. There is a naming ceremony eight days after a child is born where family friends are called where they come and give a description of a child's name. They take time to celebrate the names of the child because they know the significance of names. Botswana people, which is my tribal group, uh, names have something to do with God or a description of what was happening when a child was born. Take, for example, my sister, whose name is Mapula. I'm sure that it was raining when she was born. Uh, there are other names like Motalipula, one who comes uh, with rain. If you take my uh, kids' names, for example, uh, they all start with O because that O represents God. It stands for God. It's Omolemo, God is good. Obikanyo, God is faithful. Ororiseng, praise God. So a person's name says a lot about who they are. You also will notice that a person's nickname speaks about what other people think of them or what they observe about that person. So I want to start the sermon by asking you this question. What is your nickname for God? What is your nickname of God? When you think about God, who do you call God? What is God to you? Who is God to you? For me today, I'm saying God is an awesome God. God is a promise keeper. God is a miracle working God. God is the one who sees us through the storm. He's the fourth man in the fire. He's never left us to be alone. He's always with us. What is your nickname of God? 
Let us read Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 to 12. The burning bush. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in the midst of the bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning and yet it was not consumed. Verse 3. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses said, and Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. Verse 8, I love it so much. I have come down to deliver them out of the land of the Egyptian, to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, But I will be with you, and this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall come and serve God on this mountain. The Lord blessed the reading of his word. From this text, we read how Moses had an encounter with God and how God says, I have seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have come down. God came down to take them up, to uproot them from slavery to a land that he promised. Because he who promised is faithful. The promise maker is the promise keeper. From this text that we've read, I want us to look at these three phrases, how God seeming to emphasize the calling that he has over Moses by this phrase that he says. God starts by saying, I am sending you, I am with you, and I am who I am. I am sending you speaks about the call of God that is on Moses. It speaks about the mission and the purpose that God had over Moses. When he says, I am with you, I will be with you. It speaks about the promise that comes with the call, that comes with the mission that God has for us. And the third phrase, which I love, it says, I am who I am. God gives Moses the assurance of the promise that he's given. First, he gives him a purpose. He gives him a mission and then he gives him a promise and he gives him the assurance of the promise. He says, I am the promise keeper. So from this uh, text, I want us to look at these three phrases that speaks about purpose, promise, and the promise keeping God. When you read these words, I am who I am, it simply means 
in the words in Hebrews 13 verse 8, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. Our view of him may change. The way we think of God may change, but his character never changes. And we see it in his names, how he describes his name. So let's first look at the first phrase, I am sending you the purpose of God, the mission of God uh, over our lives. The children of Israel were enslaved for political reasons. They were in Egypt and they were kept in Egypt. And the Egyptians were not happy with how the Israelites were growing with how they were prospering, even in the midst of famine. We've spoken about this before, that in the land of Goshen in Egypt, the Israelites prospered even in the midst of famine. Just like the children of God will prosper even in times of recession, even in times of COVID, God looks after his own. So there were two strategies that were used by the Egyptians to try and kill and annihilate the Egyptians. The first strategy was to force men to work so hard that they had no time with their wives to build families or to make families. This strategy was to try and kill the Israelites. We see this in the history of South Africa, how unfortunately the apartheid government would actually build uh, liquor outlets and the entrance gates of each township. So when men came back from work, they will stop there and drink alcohol before they get home. Terrible way to do town planning. But even that, we see the impact of it in families today, the dysfunctions that we have in families today. We also see the problem we have with alcohol addiction and the abuse of alcohol in our nation because of our history. We need to get rid of that history. We need to write a different narrative for our nation. The second strategy that the Egyptians used to kill uh, the children of Israel was to kill every male child that was born. It was the decree from Pharaoh that kill every male child that was born. It is interesting that the male child has always been under attack from the time of Moses to the time of Jesus. The male child has always been under attack. I see it today. We see what happens with so many young men in prison today. The enemy is going for that head of the family, the man who's supposed to play a significant role in the lives of the children. So God heard the cries of the oppressed and he wants to send a Moses to hard-headed leaders, to business people who enslave others. God is looking for a Moses who will go and uproot and annihilate slavery. Could you be that Moses? Could you be the one that's called in the day like this, in 2021, to stand out and to speak truth and to stand for justice and to speak against the powers that be? God is calling us to be the voice of justice, to speak out and to speak truth to power. Israel was in bondage and they cried to God and God heard their cries and God responded. Deliverance came from in a form of a helpless young baby, Moses, born to Levites who were oppressed and in, in exile. It sounded like a joke, but his ways are not our ways. God's ways are higher than our ways. In spite of the challenges that the Israelites faced in Egypt, we see the power of God at work through Moses and in the life of Moses. God used Moses' parents, Moses' sister Miriam. God used even the midwives in Egypt. God used an African woman, a Pharaoh's daughter, to do what? 
to save and rescue Moses for the mission that God had for Moses, for the purpose that God had for Moses. Remember what we're talking about. God is saying to Moses, I am sending you. I have a plan. I have a mission for your life. God has a plan and a purpose and a mission for your life. And God will do all that he can to save you. He'll use even those around you to save you, to rescue the plan and purpose that is on your life. The one God chooses, he protects and he equips. According to the Torah, the name Moses means to pull out or to draw out of water. Little did they know when they named him that, Pharaoh's daughter named him that was, he was going to come to pull out the Israelites from slavery. Pharaoh's daughter saved Moses from Pharaoh's oppression, from his dad's oppression. After killing an Egyptian, Moses fled to Midian. This is where he met Zipporah, the priest of Midian's daughter. The priest was Ruel, a.k.a. Jethro. So let's uh, look at how God worked in the life of Moses. Moses was born, and because a decree was given to kill all the male children uh, of the Israelites, God uses Pharaoh's daughter to save, to rescue Moses as he was thrown into the Nile by Pharaoh's daughter taking him out of the water and preparing him for what God had for him in store. For the first 40 years of his life, what happened to Moses? What did Moses do? He was prepared living in a palace to understand the Egyptian rule, to understand how they work and how they function. After 40 years, he moves to Midian. And while he was in Midian, he meets Zipporah and he marries Zipporah, the shepherd's daughter, the priest's daughter, the pastor's daughter. It was during that time from 40 years of age to 80 years of age that he was actually trained to care for people, to have compassion living under the priest's house. God was preparing Moses for the journey that was ahead from 80 to 120 years of age, Moses worked to deliver the Israelites from slavery to the promised land. How many of us will embrace the preparation process that God has for us? Whether it's in the palace or in the pit, will we be open to God's preparation for where he's taking us, for the journey that he has, for the mission that he has for us? God uses all circumstances in our lives both good and bad, to build character and to prepare us to serve him. God used both experiences as a prince in the palace, Moses, and also as a shepherd in the bush to prepare him to deliver his people, the Israelites. Let us see circumstances in our lives as a divine school, God preparing us for the journey ahead. However difficult things may be, let them strengthen us to remain in God's purpose, in God's mission, in God's plan for our lives. So the first phrase we're looking at is, uh, I am sending you. God said to Moses, I'm sending you. I'm giving you a plan, a purpose for your life. The second phrase, it says, I am with you. I will be with you. It's a promise. God never just gives us a task and he doesn't give us what we need for the task. He equips us and he also gives us a promise. I want to start by saying a multi-generational mission requires a multi-generational purpose. A multi-generational mission requires a multi-generational purpose. People want quick answers, quick solutions today. God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he will bring them to a land flowing with milk and honey. At times I forget. I say God is taking us to a land flowing with milk and money. Sounds like Joburg, the city of gold. 
more than 400 years later, the Israelites were no closer to the promised land. God had forgotten? No, God had not forgotten. Whatever the promise, God has not forgotten. God's power is not limited to our timetables. We may say God has given us a promise, we will have a child. We may say God has given us a promise, we'll have a successful career. God has given us a problem, we'll have a, a promise. But we realize that the promise is taking longer than we expect. Will we stay put? Will we continue to believe and say, He who promised is faithful. The promise maker is the promise keeper. The one who made the promise is faithful to keep the promise. Are you okay that some of God's promises towards you will get fulfilled in your children or your grandchildren? Are you okay with that? That some of the promises that God has given you may not be fulfilled in your lifetime, may be fulfilled in the lives of your children. I like this um, African proverb from my home language. My dad used to like to say this proverb. It goes like this. I know it sounds like tongues. What this means is me, the older guinea fowl, I may not have colors, but my colors are seen in the younger guinea fowls. So what it means is, will we be okay that our children will go further than us, that our children will be more successful than us? Can we have that multi-generational vision for what God has for us? Like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they didn't get to the promised land. Even Moses didn't get to the promised land. Joshua led the Israelites in the promised land. Will we be okay if our names are not mentioned? Will we be okay if we don't make it to the promised land? Will we still say the promise maker is the promise keeper? We read in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 6, David, you are not the one to build the temple, but Solomon, my son, will build a table. That's that moment where you say, Aish, David, you are not the one to build a table, but your son Solomon will build the temple. Hebrews eleven thirteen, the Bible says, this all died in faith, not having received the things promised. They did not receive the things promised. All the names that are mentioned in Hebrews 11, all these legends of the faith who had done mighty things and great things for God, the Bible says, not having received what was promised, but having seen from afar, seen in faith with spiritual eyes, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. They saw from afar the promise of God coming. The promise was given to Abraham, but was fulfilled in Joshua. Even Moses did not see the promised land. He did not live to the promised land. God showed him how it looks like, but he never got to the promised land. There is this uh, bird species that... Um, they have a multi-generational migration. When they move from the south to the north because of uh, uh, winter seasons, they would actually die. Some of them would die along the way. But just because they're going to die, they're not saying, oh, I'm just going to die. I'm going to give up. I'm going to stay here. They continue on the journey because they know that they may not make it to the promised land. They may not make it to a place of safety. But for the sake of their children, they will keep flying and flying even if they die, they know that their children will make it to the promised land. A multi-generational vision requires a multi-generational promise. In Matthew 28, we find this amazing vision and mission that God has given us as the body of Christ, as the church. And as every nation, we, we love this vision. We love this mission that God has called us to. 
We read uh, Matthew 28, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you to the end of the age. The scriptures says, go and make disciples of all nations. Go make disciples of all nations. Not some nations, all nations. But it's amazing, it comes with a promise. God says, and lo, I am with you to the very end of the age. I will be with you to the end of the age. The reason why we as every nation family of churches are so passionate about this call to honor him, to make disciples and to transform nations, it is not only the great commission, it is also the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Thus we say, love God and love people. And it comes with a great promise. I will be with you. He promised Moses, I will be with you. He promised us, when you go and make disciples, I will be with you. He will be with us in 2021. So the Every Nation Global Mission Statement goes like this. We exist to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministry in every nation. That's the mission that God has given us to establish churches that are Christ-centered, that are spirit-empowered, that are socially responsible. Every nation, Johannesburg, when we look at this global vision, we say God is calling us to see lives and communities and society transformed through discipleship in the word, the presence, and the power of God. So we have a global mission. We have a citywide vision that God has called us to. And here at Rosebank, we normally say we love God, love people, love our city. In 2021, this is our hymn sheet. We honor God. We make disciples. We transform nations. We honor God. We make disciples. We transform nations. Join us as we pray and trust God that we will see revival in our city and in our nation by honoring God, making disciples, and transforming society. A multi-generational vision requires a multi-generational promise. We have a promise from God. He said, I'm sending you. I am with you. I will be with you. You are not alone. And finally, I am who I am. He's not just saying, I'm sending you. He's not just saying, I'm giving you a promise. He's saying, me, the promise maker, I am the promise keeper. He gives us an assurance that he will keep the promise. When we read verse 13 to verse 15 of the very text that we've just read in Exodus chapter 3, then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Who is this God that you say has sent you? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. God was invoking promise. God was invoking covenant when he said, the same promise, the same covenant I made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is going to be seen in you. He says, this is my name forever. Thus I am to be remembered throughout all the generations. This is my name. God is saying, the assurance of the promise comes in my name and who I am, in my character, in whom I have shown myself to be in the past. You can rely on that. It is something that you can stand on when he says, I am who I am. 
He means that I will be with you to the very end of the age. Moses protested and objected a couple of times before agreeing to the purpose and the plan of God. Maybe you are like Moses. You need God's assurance that he will keep his promises. God's answer is very simple. I am who I am. Look at how God assured Moses before he even showed Moses the supernatural powers that will be backing him. The miracles were not the main thing. The main thing was who God is. The miracle is not the main thing. The main thing is who God is, is your nickname of God, is your revelation of God. When you read verse 15 in the New Living Translation, it goes, Say to the people of Israel, Yahweh, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent you. The name Yahweh in the Hebrew, it comes from the word Yah, which means to be. Hebrew scholars, they say that word Yah, to be, is God saying to be, he was, he is, and he will be. He was, he is, and he will be, and he causes to be. God was, is, he will be, and he causes to be. Again, Hebrews 13, verse 8, that I am God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It means how we view God may change, but his character will never change. Who he is will never change. He was, he is, he will be, and he causes to be. God's name reveals his character and his consistency. We must honor and respect the name of God because of what it means to us is who God is to us. God's name is sacred. As the Bible says, do not use the name of God in vain. The rabbis of old would not even read or mention the name of God out loud for fear of showing disrespect to the name of the Lord. They would often call the name Yah. They will not say Yahweh in full. They will say Yah because of the respect they had for the name of God. Because of the honor they had for the name of God. They will say Yah. They will just whisper it because of the God that they had. It was almost like it was their nickname of God. Instead of saying Yahweh, the one who was, who is, and he is to come, they will say, yeah. They will softly speak his word. I want to challenge all of us, same as we pray this, uh, w- the prayer that we pray all the time in Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer. It goes like this, Our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Let your name be made holy. When we speak of the name of God, let us honor the name of God. Let us not use the name of God in vain. But the key thing to what we are talking about today is what we call God may change from time to time, depending on our circumstances, but God's character never changes. Your revelation of God will determine your nickname of God. Your revelation of who God is will determine the nickname that you call him worth. The promise maker is the promise keeper. That is my nickname of God. He's the promise maker and he's the promise keeper. The Bible says in Joshua 1.45, not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Not one of them failed. They were all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So what now? What are we going to do with this word? How are we going to apply this word? This word is the mission God is calling us to, to honor God, to make disciples, to transform nations. But it comes with a promise to seek God and say, God, what is the promise that you have for me in this call that you have for us as a body collectively? And number three, who is God to you? What is your nickname of God? When you think about God, what comes to your mind? 
That is why I love the song. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. So family, as we get ready for this year ahead, may the revelation of who God is be what will keep us this year, despite the ups and downs of life. May the revelation that he has given us a mission, he said, I'm sending you. He's given us a promise. He said, I am with you. I will be with you. And he's given us the assurance of the promise. What did he say to us? He said, I am who I am. I am Yahweh. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. As we pray right now, whatever you believe in God for, for 2021, bring it before the Lord and trust that the promise maker is the promise keeper. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word that challenges us to live lives that are honoring to you, to go out and make disciples for those who are lost and to transform the nations. Father, you've given us this mandate. May we not live this mandate. May we not leave it behind. May we live this mandate to your glory, Father God. And may we see that you are an awesome God and you've given us a mission, you've given us a promise, and you've given us the assurance of the promise that you will be with us to the very end of the age. And I pray that, God, we will jump into this year with faith, with hope, Lord God, and trust that you will be with us. I pray for each and every person, wherever they may be watching this, whether at home, whether in the hospital, in a hotel room, maybe they're still on holiday. Lord, I pray that something will spark in their hearts, a fire, a passion will burn to know you and to make you known, to honor you, to make disciples, to transform nations in this coming year. I pray that God will burn with a passion for your glory and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all.